Welcome and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding Business. I'm your host, Peter Lamont. Today is June 18th, 2015. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of being your own advocate and sort of taking control of your own life. And we're very excited to have with us uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. She is an attorney, former First Lady of San Francisco, host on Fox News, and now the author of the best-selling book, Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. We're going to be talking to her about what inspired her to write the book and some of the lessons that we can learn um, and what we can, we can do to become our own best advocate and why that's so important. Before I introduce Kimberly, I just want to thank today's sponsor. Today's show is sponsored by Paychex. Now, if you need a trusted partner that's going to help you with your payroll and employment taxes, give Paychex a try. I've been using Paychex for years, and I really can't say enough about them and their level of service. Now, UTL Radio subscribers get one free month of payroll processing simply by signing up using the link provided on utlradio.com. So I want to thank Paychex for sponsoring this show. Kimberly, thank you so much for being on today and for writing the book, Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. Kimberly, are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, we lost you on the introduction, but you're back, and I want to thank you for being on the show today and for writing the book, Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. Fantastic. Well, I'm so happy to be on your show, and I'm happy to uh, discuss the book and hope that some of the principles and ideas in it can really benefit people in their life. Well, you know, what excites me about this book is that Making the Case is really meant for everybody. It's meant for the business owner, for the entrepreneur employees, stay-at-home moms, kids in school. It really is, um, in my opinion, one of the best legally influenced books because it's so down-to-earth and practical. You actually can pick it up, read it, and learn something about how to make your life better by being your own advocate. Yeah, I mean, I really, yes, I really wanted to, um, you know, write this book to help people because the things that I've been through in my life, um, some of them, you know, unique, some of them incredibly relatable. I thought perhaps some of the stories, and because I was very revealing in the book, that it could help people to understand what's going on in their life and to try to strive to achieve more. Yeah, you know, I think that you have such a fascinating life in general. I think a lot of people see you on Fox News. And, and maybe they don't know some of your backstory and don't know that, you know, you weren't just handed success in life, that you had to struggle, you had to work for it, and, you know, you built what you have today out of hard work and advocating for yourself. And one of the things I like most about you is that before you went to law school, before you became a lawyer and, and you know, learned or studied some of the principles that you learn in school about uh, litigating and advocating for yourself, you were doing it well before you went into law school. Yes, that's absolutely true, and I'll get a little bit, um, you know, into that because what happened is, you know, the book is called Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. The genesis of the book is how I was raised by my mother and my father, and in particular, after I lost my mother to leukemia, I was nine when she was diagnosed and 11 when she ultimately passed away. My dad saw a little girl that was um, shy, 
that had talent and ability but had a big broken heart. He didn't want that moment to define me for the rest of my life. Yes, to make me stronger as part of my fabric and of my chapters and my human experience. But he said, you know, how can I help and continue on with the lessons that her mother taught her and how she was raising her, but also make her stronger and and better, um, help to heal her. So he really wanted to take an approach that I would be able to stand on my own two feet, that I would be able to make the case for myself, whatever it was that I was facing or needed to achieve in life. So it came down to even simple things like if I needed permission to go do something, a school event or function or wanted to get something or be part of a group or try out for a sport, he's like, you know, make your case to me, go to your room, put down all your facts, your arguments, all the good, you know, the reasons why you want me to say, you know, yes and grant you permission. Come back to my room, he said, and then I want you to make your case. Don't ever be afraid of the no. The worst thing that could happen is that I say, you know, no, you can't do it, but maybe you can figure out how to turn it into a yes, and at least you know that you've asked, that you've put it out there, that you didn't shy away because you were afraid of, you know, failure or rejection or just afraid of hearing a word. He said, don't ever live your, you know, your life like that. What you've been through is probably one of the worst things that could happen to you. Anything else you're going to be able to handle. You can certainly handle asking a question or trying to put yourself out there to do something. And he was right. Right. Now, you know, what's interesting, you know, your father, what was his background? How did he develop those skills, if you know, to get you to the point of, of being able to, uh, you know, face that fear and go out and ask those questions and present your case? Well, my father grew up in Ennis County, Clare, Ireland. He came, you know, to this country as an immigrant, and he started to work in uh, construction, you know, with his uncles. But he started working very early as a child in a blacksmith shop in in Ireland, probably at, you know, young age, a uh, child, and working on farms, um, you know, 9 and 10 years old, and then going on from there. So he really was also the head of his family, the head of, uh, you know, six uh, kids. So he was basically the person that was, you know, kind of in charge and taking care of everybody. He had to go through a terrible time when his mother was very sick and was in the hospital for a long time, and his dad was away in uh, London in working to send money back to the family. And my dad took care of five other kids. So he always had a sense of responsibility and of purpose and, uh, you know, maturity and focus and drive. So he kind of was one of those natural-born leaders. He's also a tremendous, um, you know, people person. He was very involved in San Francisco in politics. They called him the godfather, but in a good way. Um, <laughs> he would bring groups and people, you know, together. Um, you know, and that was really evidence at the time when he, you know, passed away Thanksgiving night uh, five years ago. But um, he's just, you know, he was just a powerful influence, and he was the greatest coach of my life by far, and I know other people would say that about him as well, that, you know, he was the greatest coach for them. So um, it was just something when you have that kind of special gift of being relatable and understanding people and bringing out the best, that's the thing. He saw the best in people, like how to, like, tap into your skills, your ability, what's special about you. So that's right. um, that's what happened. I had the benefit of that experience, and not everyone can have Tony Guilfoyle as a dad, so I shared him <laughs> with everyone. Yeah, and it's really important because you can see how, for those those people out there who know you and have followed your career, um, you know, back when you were on Core TV and moving forward to where you are today, people know, you know, that, that you really practice what you preach, and that's what's so great about the book because now you're sharing that information with everyone. Now, what inspired you to write this book? I mean, you're on TV, you're a personality, you've got a big personality. Why write a book? What was the purpose of it? 
You know, I just, I really was getting so many questions, so many people emailing, writing, calling. I mean, today I'll talk to three people um, that I've set up appointments with to try and help them with their life and what they're going through and to try and, you know, get them going in the right direction. So whether it was even colleagues of myself, you know, fans out there, viewers, listeners, um, people who've known me my whole life to like, all I kept hearing was, you've got to write a book. You've got to write a book. You've, you can help so many people. And my parents always said to me, you know, don't make this life about you. It's about other people. And so I said, okay, this is it. I've got to do this. As busy as I am, I've got to put aside the time. Because I just, you know, if anybody can be helped by some of the things I'm saying in this book, and I make their life a little bit easier, a little bit better, their family relationship better, their understanding to know that someone cares, that someone's gone through it, uh, relatable about even caring for aging parents, like all the things that I did to become, you know, a lawyer, to get to law school, to then transition to a great you know career coming out of law school to then reinvent myself from being a prosecutor to be you know a, a person a journalist working in tv today and hosting a very popular show i just want to show people that paths and different changes are possible you know and so um it, that, that's what i do you know so i'll be speaking to a group of young people tonight actually to at the um uh, Women's Republican Center. I'll be speaking to the young Republicans of Manhattan and addressing them tonight and talking about some of these principles. So I, I like to help people and I like to reach out. I like to penetrate, you know? Yeah, well, I think it's it's so important because, you know, one of the things that I've identified as a problem in today's modern world really is that so many people just take such a passive approach to life. They They sit back and they wait for things to happen to them instead of going out and making things happen for themselves. And then when things, you know, don't fall into place, they blame everyone else. Well, you know, they were lucky or they had this or they had more money. But it's really not about that. It's about pushing and moving forward. So talk a little bit, if you will, about, you know, the difference between people that just take that that passive, let's sit back and those that are go-getters. Yeah, there's there's a, a phrase called like driving the bus. Meaning when in television and recently when I was on The View, you know, a friend of mine said to me, KG, you're going to go on there, man. He goes, drive the bus. Meaning take, you know, take charge, like be there. Don't just sit there and be passive. Go on, know what you want to say, get it out there, like drive the bus. And I think you need to be like that in life. Drive your bus. You know, don't sit in the back and, like, hope that it's going to be a good journey or a good ride. Like, what can you do to make sure you hit all the stops or to make sure that you're in control, you know, so to speak, you know, of your destiny? You really can. Like, I always tell people, God helps those who help themselves. Like, you can't just sit and think that once you get a degree that somebody's going to drive up in, like, the awesome job bus and say to you, hey, look, I've got this amazing job and you're going to work on Park Avenue and you're going to get all these benefits and you're going to get a great apartment and everything's going to be amazing amazing in your life. Well, you know what? That can happen, but if you make it happen, and that's what I try and tell people, because otherwise sometimes you see people that are like sleepwalking through life, yeah. you know, and one day turns into a week, turns into a month, into years, and they're like, oh, I'm so unhappy. Like, why don't I have a good job? My job's terrible. I don't like people I work with, or, oh, I don't make enough money. Well, do something. What are you doing about it? Like, that's what I say to people. I'm like, what are you doing to change it? I mean, is there something else you would like to do? Is there something else you're good at? You know, and and I do believe that if people are doing something that they feel good about when they go to bed at night and they wake up in the morning, that they can monetize it and be successful and create good outcomes for themselves and for their families. You know, and I tell young people that are, you know, in 
even high school or people going to college or even people like in law school, you know, you're going to get this great degree. You have some of the best law schools, you know, in the world in this country. Um, you can do a tremendous amount of different things that are super exciting with a law degree. But you have to decide what it is you like. I was already doing internships in high school, in college, you know, at the DA's office, in private practice and firms. Even if you're shadowing people or getting a mentor, something to expose yourself to help shape your mind and your idea about what it is you want to do with your life. Right? I mean, that's a good idea. That shows also then you can put down and put together some kind of resume. It's like, hey, I did an internship at this office. I was able to say I was at the Yolo County District Attorney's Office working in consumer fraud and business affairs like at a young age. So people didn't think I just was looking for a job. I was somebody that already had like job and internship experience already even going into applying for law school. Right? So if you're looking at me and you're looking at someone else, you're like, wow, this is somebody that is serious about what she wants to do. She's putting her money where her mouth is, and she's trying to make it happen. That That's a big deal. To me, I think that's very important. It's significant. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was to my employers because I put the package together. I know what I'm going to say before I go in. I know the, the like, couple bullet points that I'm going to hit, and that's what I tell people about. So whether you're preparing for, like, closing arguments or trying to close a deal or trying to get a promotion or trying to, you know, get a job, all of these principles can be applied. You dress the part. You know what you're going to say. You know, you don't ask questions that you don't know the answer to. How many times have we gone into job interviews like, do you have any questions for me? Come up with a question ahead of time, but you should know the answer already. You ask the question, right? They give you the answer, and then you can ask an intelligent, thought-out follow-up question because you have already dictated the flow in the conversation, that's like driving the bus, not sitting there going, oh, my God, I'm so, what are they going to ask me? Or what if they ask me if I have a question? What am I, you know, like pull it together. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and that's what I see. I see people just like walking around like, oh, hope something good happens to me. Well, you know, something that you said earlier is interesting. And you were talking about the fear of no. Let's talk for a second about fear in general and th this idea. I mean, you are a very confident person, or at least you come across that way. You know, and, and how is it that people who are filled with fear, you know, afraid to ask for an internship, afraid to ask for a promotion, afraid to change career paths, what can you tell them about fear and how they can develop a level of confidence? Right. So, you know, we're all afraid of certain things, right? Some people some people are like afraid of afraid of no, afraid of spiders, afraid of who knows. But you've got to like get control of your mind in general, in life, because believe me, we all have problems where we get in our own head and it's not a good a good feeling or experience, especially when it's negative, no negative town. Like I try and like get out of negative town and think about how can I turn this around? How can I change course or direction? I coach and talk to myself, like in my head, to make sure right. that I'm not, you know, like get, uh, defeating myself before I even try and put myself out there. I always talk about my dad did living a life of no regret. So then when I'm sometimes feeling a little bit like, oh, God, should I do this? What do I do? What do I do? Um, I say, all right, I'm going to do it because no regrets. No regrets. It's like a little mantra because I don't want to at the end of my life say, oh, my God, I wish I had tried or I had applied or I had done this or I had done that. And, like, for me, you know, it's like when I, I talk about the big blackout in uh, New York 
um, in October 2003, and I went in and pitched this guy. You know, Henry Scheif was the head of Core TV for the job when I knew Ricky Kleeman was moving to L.A. um, because Bill Bratton, her husband, was taking the top cop job there. Um, I walked all the way. There was no cars, and I got into Core TV, and I went up to the secretary because I was waiting. I was supposed to do the Catherine Carr's show, and this is when I was trying to transition from prosecutor and work in television. I tried a high-profile case, dog mulling case, San Francisco, got a lot of yep. different job offers ultimately. But this was a job at anchoring, not just doing legal analysis. So this was going to be a game-changer for me. And I got into his office by saying, hey, I wanted to say hi and thanks. You know, I'm leaving for – back to San Francisco, California. I don't know when I'll be able to be back again. I want to take this moment to thank Mr. Sly for, you know, letting me on and have me on his programs. Well, once, that's all I needed. I needed to be able to get in the door. Once I got in the door, then I laid it out. And we started talking. It came up. And then I made the pitch. And, you know, I ended right. up getting the job. Now, imagine if I didn't do that. Wouldn't be here in New York. Wouldn't be having an amazing job at, you know, Fox News, co-hosting The Five, doing all of this. I mean, right. this is somebody, you know brand new to parents to the country, like trying, scrapping anything I could to, to make it happen in life. But I did it, you know, but that only through hard work. you got to work hard. you got to take yeah, chances. I think, I think so many people forget that. They see people who have built successful careers and lives, and they forget the fact that they had to work hard to get there. And you got to work that the that, steps, like, you know, yeah. really you do, to, like, make sure and, like, take baby steps to try and get it happen. It doesn't have to happen overnight. But do something. Make a call. Go do an insurance. Anything you can to get yourself some exposure or to move the ball a little bit forward. I talk about moving to the X, moving on target. Set your goal. Put some stuff down on paper. And then you go to it. That, that's the best way to approach it. And, you know, I want to talk for a second about what you just mentioned, going into court TV that day. You did not go in there without a plan. You knew what you were going to do. You knew what you were going to present and say. You didn't just go in there haphazardly. You know, and that could be a problem for a lot of people who are going to take that next step to do something, yet they don't come in with a plan. Yeah, you have to have a plan. I mean, look, I used to try all my closing arguments without notes. Why was I able to do that? Because I had a plan, because I was extremely prepared. I had taken down, written notes, pulled it all together, knew what I was going to say and how I would lay the story out, okay? So by the time I got in front of that jury, I knew it. I owned it. I was the story, and I didn't want my notes or this and that looking down to get away in in the way of the connection with the jury. So my point is, I had a plan when I went in to see that CEO. He's an extremely busy man. I needed to be able to know exactly what I was going to say, hit a couple big bullet points about my story, um, and to be relatable. Like, what, what, are, what have I seen in the past that's been impactful or that worked when I was in interviews or I met with people where I saw them have, like, some kind of demonstrable reaction or connection or seemed interested by something I had said? So, you know, I did it like that. Like, I knew that, okay, this works for me, and you have a couple things prepared, and you hit those. Um, And I've seen people do that that have come to me um, in interviews or positions to be an intern or to be an associate producer. Um, You can tell, and you can tell the people that come in, they're dressed right, they they have a certain amount of respect for the position, a desire, they have the experience, they're well prepared. Don't go into an interview or do something and not have a copy of your resume or your references. I mean, my God, don't make the person that you're asking for something do the work. You do right. the work. You follow right. up. You know, write a thank you note. Like, be professional. Yep. Now, let's talk for one second about 
your take on, on being an advocate for yourself. What is it and why is it so important? You know, it's so important because you, when you, you know, wake up in the morning, go to bed at night, you're like, am I doing something that I enjoy and that I feel good about as a person? If you're not, then you need to really, like, rethink and start to come up with a different approach. And when I when I get up every day, I'm the one that has to make it happen. I'm the one that has to bring them the paycheck. I'm the one that has to, you know, follow through and be organized. So I can't sit there and always be looking to other people to solve the problems in my life or create personal happiness or professional success. And the minute you start to take ownership over your own life, over your own destiny, the happier you're going to be, the more you're going to feel like you're in control of it and doing something instead of waiting for other people to do it for you. It's actually quite freeing because then it's like you're, like I said, you're driving the bus. It's not someone else and you're just like a passenger in life. That's right. no way to be. Right. Now, in your book, you give not only some backstory about some of your struggles in your life and, and, and apply the practical steps, but we talked a second ago about, you know, some of the ideas about, you know, never asking a question that you don't know the answer to and, and having information prepared. Um, I don't want to give away the book because I really do think it's something that everybody should pick up and read, but can you give some advice to our listeners about right now how they could do something to change their lives by being their own advocate, you know, following uh, some of your approaches. Yeah, I mean, I think like even today, somebody could sit there and put a you know piece of paper, a pad, and a pen, and write down some of the goals and things you want to achieve in your life. And it might be this. It might be like, I want to have a better marriage, or I want to find someone to be with in my life, or it could be I want to um, – you know, have a better job, or I really would like to have a promotion, or, you know, maybe I'd like to move to a different office, whatever it is, put put it down, and then write like five or six things down that you think would help you achieve that goal. And then I think you need to set a timetable for when you would like to achieve it. Is it six months? Is it three months? Is it a year goal? That type of thing. Um, you know, so if it's something that, oh, you know, I want to change a career, and I w- then start doing the research or see what it is you might want to do. Talk to your friends and and family and uh, kind of like troubleshoot with them, brainstorm and say, is there something that you think as you perceive me that I might be interested in or do you have some tips or ideas? Like one of the biggest things is you can't be afraid to ask for help or advice or especially from people that you trust and that you respect. They may have some good ideas. I mean, I've gotten some of my best ideas about things from people who told me, Kimberly, we really think you'd be good in television. You should, you belong there. You should be doing something about it. You, sh-, you know, and I'm like, wow. So sometimes you hear things and you start to believe it. So I think that's good. If it doesn't generate from yourself, ask people that you trust and surround yourself with people that are positive, that aren't going to be jealous or bring you down or take you down or find the problem or the no with everything. You know, kind of be around people that are successful, that are trying to do something with their life, because that's a good influence. Adults need good influences, too, not just kids, you know. So I think that's that's something that's important. And, you know, have the support of your family or spouse um, in what you're doing, you know, so that you're just not operating in your own universe, but, you know, have consideration for those that some of the changes you might be wanting to make in your life, you know, how would it impact them and kind of bring them in so they feel participatory and supportive that it's a team effort. I think that's helped in different situations if you're not somebody who's, you know, single. And then for those of you who are single or looking for love, like, do something about it. Put yourself out there. I mean, people ask me for advice about that, too. Like, 
maybe get a matchmaker, maybe do a dating search, maybe ask your friends, your colleagues, or anyone that they think that you might be good with. Like, this is the type of principles that you can apply in everyday life. Like, write down who, who it is, the type of person you think you're looking for, somebody with some common interest, somebody who's geographically, you know, desirable, somebody maybe you don't have to file as a dependent on your tax return. I don't know. I right. mean, I have one girlfriend, she's like, man, I want a guy who who is smart and is, um, you know, has a retirement that, that is like thinking about that and has a 401k. She's like, you know, firemen, <laughs> I, they do good things for the community and they have a 401k. Well, every time we have like firemen come by the building, whatever, I'm like, there's a fireman, move on target, go after it. And it's just like the funniest thing. But you never know. Like, that's yeah. the point. Like, is that what's important to you that you feel like a sense of security? Maybe you don't have a lot of family and you feel like, oh, if I meet somebody and get married, you want it to be somebody who's got some kind of, you know, planning for the future. I don't know. Some women find that attractive. Um, But that's what I'm saying. Like, know yourself. Know what's going to make you happy. Don't set yourself up for failure with um, unrealistic expectations. And don't be afraid to take baby steps because steps are steps, you know. Try to be moving forward. You know, you talk about driving the bus. I think the biggest key here is if you're going to drive the bus, you have to know where you're going. And that's the point of the plan. So, Mm -hmm. exactly. Kimberly, I want to thank you so much for the time that you've given us today. Um, There are going to be links in the show notes to to Amazon where you can purchase the book. Uh, The book, again, is really something that I think everyone should pick up. If you've ever encountered a situation where you've said to yourself, oh, I wish I had done this differently, or I wish I had stood up for myself, or I wish that I didn't have this regret, this is the book for you. And if you haven't experienced those things because you're too young, Read the book so that you don't experience them. So, again, the book is Making the Case, How to Be Mm -hmm. Your Own Best Advocate. Uh, Kimberly, thank you so much again, and I wish you continued success with your career and with the book. All right, and I want to say thank you to everybody, too, that's purchased the book and been super supportive in the process for me writing it. It's become a national bestseller, and I couldn't have done it with all the support of the people that believe in me. So thank you very much for having me on your program. You're very welcome. We'll see you on Fox. All right. Take care. (laughs) Bye-bye. So a big thank you to Kimberly Guilfoyle for being on the show and for writing the book. I mean, really, the book is um, a very good read. I I don't have people on the show and and talk favorably about their book or their product if I don't believe in it. And uh, this is one of these books that I believe in because, look, I went to, to law school. I learned the same things. I've come out of law school, and, and you know, here I am, um, and, and I can see where this book takes the practical elements of being a litigator, right, defending or prosecuting or, um, or, or presenting your case, and it, it pulls out those key factors that you learn in law school that help you move forward in life. So this is really a guide for the non-lawyer about being your own litigator, your own advocate, taking control of your life, not letting things happen to you, but rather going out there and grabbing life by the horns. I think it's really important that you understand that if you are thinking about starting a business, and we've had tons of people on the show that have talked about you know, how you go about starting a business but that the one key element to all these people who have built successful businesses is that they have had that drive. They're not willing to accept no for an answer. And if they do hear that no, 
it doesn't stop them dead in their tracks. They keep moving forward because, as Kimberly was talking about, driving that bus, taking control of your own destiny, your own life is critical, and you can't do that without the roadmap. So you develop the map, you develop your skills, your preparedness, and that helps you develop confidence because you cannot develop confidence by, by taking that, that first step, right? Let's say that you're going in for a job interview. You've mustered up that courage to go out there and ask for a job interview. Now you have it, and you go in there, and you're not prepared. What do you think that does for your confidence level? Well, I'll tell you. It knocks it down, way down, probably lower than when you walked in there in the first place. So don't set yourself up for failure. Rather, set yourself up for success by being prepared. It's, it's a multi-step, Kimberly said it best, baby steps. It is a multi-step process to develop confidence, to take control of your life, to be your own advocate. It starts with you not being satisfied with where you are in life, not being satisfied with what you've been, quote unquote, given, okay? Because somebody like Kimberly wasn't given a ton of success. It didn't fall in her lap. She wasn't born into a lifestyle where millions of dollars was at her, at her disposal and, you know, I have all these connections. She worked it. And that's so important to understand. So you must not be satisfied with where you are in order to move forward. When you decide that, you know, you're happy with, with who you are and what you're doing, but you want to better yourself, you want to do more, you know, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, maybe as a stay-at-home mom, right, a lot of moms out there, first of all, I just want to say this, stay-at-home mom is one of the hardest jobs out there. Hands down, my wife does it, you know, we have three kids, hands down, one of the hardest jobs. Sometimes I go to work just to get away from how difficult being a stay-at-home mom is. And so, you know, you think to yourself as a stay-at-home mom, oh, you know, what am I doing with my life? But, you know, you can do whatever it is you want to do. You can make your home life better. You can make your children's lives better. So you just don't, no matter what career, what path you've chosen, you can make it better. You can do things better. You know, my wife and I always talk about her being a stay-at-home mom and how we can make our home life better, how we can make the house more organized, how we can get the kids on a better schedule, how we can develop more time for our family. And, and that is someone who says, I'm not satisfied. I want to continue to grow and to move forward and to make things happen. So I don't care what your career or your, your path in life is. Never stop pushing, never stop learning, never stop trying to make it better. That does not mean that, you know, what you're doing is not good. Because I, I know a lot of career women, for example, might frown upon somebody that, that's a stay-at-home mom. I don't understand that personally. I give a stay-at-home mom more credit because their job is a 24-7 job. But that aside, I think that idea that, you can always do whatever you're doing better. If you happen to be a garbage man, 
be the best you can be. Don't just settle. Don't accept life. Don't go home at night, sit down, drop in front of the television, and just wait for that call. Wait for that, that money. Wait for your ship to come in. These are expressions that are meaningless because your ship will not come in unless you go out there and you get on board. You know how many times has right, anybody in the city, right? anybody in New York City or any city for that matter, but New York in particular, how many times have you been able to get a cab by just standing on the corner? All right, I'm going to give you the answer. Zero. If you don't actively hail that cab, you're not getting a ride. You have to, as Kimberly said, drive the bus. You've got to go out there and you have got to say, here is where I want to go. Now I'm going to take the steps to get there. And then when you build on these small successes, your confidence goes up. You're going to have more confidence because you've hit all these little steps, all these successes. All right, let's talk about that for a second. So let's talk about a success that you can experience right now in your life, regardless of what you're doing or where your career is or what your career is. How many of us out there have bills that we've been afraid to deal with? Maybe, uh, you know, it's an issue where, we can't afford the bill. We can't afford to pay the entire bill. Maybe it's a doctor or a dentist or a medical bill of some sort. And what are we doing with it? We're just going to stick it in the bottom of the pile. We, we, don't, we, just, you know, we want it to go away, right? Well, pick up the phone and call the doctor. Call that dentist and say, look, I want to pay you, but I'm having a problem. Can we work out a payment plan? That is empowering. Now, first of all, A, you have taken the first step into controlling your own destiny. Because you know what, what absolutely is the worst is when you bury your head in the sand in any area of life. But we're talking about bills right now just as a hypothetical. So let's stick with that. You bury your head in the sand when you get a bill from a doctor that you can't afford. You put the bill on the bottom of the pile. You don't do anything with it. Okay, and then six months go by, phone calls start, more bills keep coming. Now you've got interest and late fees tacked onto those those bills, and then you still just bury your head in the sand. Take the phone off the hook, right, so that you don't hear the phone ring. Ignore, ignore, wait for something to happen, and you know what's going to happen? You're going to get a summons and complaint in the mail, and then you're going to be sued, and now you're going to say, "Crap, what am I going to do?" Well. You know how you could have prevented that and, and, and avoided those feelings of dread, fear, despair? Be active participant in your life. So when that bill comes in and you realize, whoa, I didn't realize it was going to be so high or I can't afford this right now, pick up the phone and take immediate action. Okay? You know what Kimberly said earlier in the show today? Don't be afraid of no, because what's the worst that can happen? Somebody can say a two-letter word to you, no. What does that mean? Does that mean that you are bad? Does that mean that your life is not worth it? Absolutely not. It means no. So what? You know, I, I want to go back for a second and, and talk about people that are in sales. Do you know how many people in sales 
have heard the word no. It's to the point where if you are a successful salesperson, no doesn't mean anything to you. So there's a career where you have to have a thick enough skin to say, all right, they've said no, but that doesn't mean no. I'm going to keep trying. And if you don't want to buy what I'm selling, maybe the next person will, or the next person, or the next person. So I think that that idea of being afraid of no or being afraid of taking that bill and calling the doctor and saying, can we work on a payment plan? What's the worst that the doctor says? No. Okay, now you have to look for another approach. But that is one way that right now you can take a step towards self-empowerment, towards making yourself a stronger, more confident, more aggressive person by driving that bus. Now, let's, let's look at another example. How many of us who are at, at work right now have a phone call that they have to make and they're dreading it? You know, maybe it's to your mom who you haven't spoken to in, in three months. Or maybe it's to a business partner. Or you know, maybe it's an adversary that you need to call and you're dreading it. Maybe it's a client that you don't want to deal with, you know, a, a particular situation. What's the worst thing you can do? And that is nothing. Bury your head in the sand. You know what's going to happen? That fear, that anxiety, that feeling of, ah, oh, I, I don't want to do this. It's going to get worse. You need to grab control of your mind. And you need to say, I'm going to deal with this right now. Okay? That's what you can do right now to make yourself start down a path of confidence and success. Confidence is built from continued successes, and they don't need to be monumental. They need to be small, incremental successes. Success is like interest. It's like interest in a bank account. It builds and builds on itself. So when you have compound interest in a bank account, you're not just going to get interest on the $100 that you put in. You're going to get interest on the interest, on the interest, etc. So when you invest in yourself and when you put that investment of, of, um, of small steps into yourself, you know what happens? Your confidence builds and builds. And now you're building confidence on confidence. It's like compound confidence. So that's where and how you can develop confidence. It is, for some people, something innate. They're just born with that level of confidence because they truly love who they are. They believe that they can do whatever they want to do. That's a small percentage of people. You know, a lot of people, remember the old adage, fake it till you make it? Well, that stemmed from people who did not have that confidence, and then they faked it till they made it. And you know what happened is that they started to gain small, incremental successes, step by step by step, to the point where their confidence began to grow naturally. It was an organic growth. And now they are tops in their field. Every single successful person that you could possibly think of and think about what would have happened if they didn't keep pushing. Look at Steve Jobs. You know, he had this idea. 
him and his friends, you know, when, when, when they went out to try to market their idea for the first Apple computer, they were told no. They were laughed at. Did it stop them? No. What would have happened if they stopped? What would have happened if they looked at each other and said, oh, man, I guess we can't do this? What, what would we you know, have today in the way of technology? Wouldn't the world be different? Because hasn't Apple been at the forefront of a lot of change and development? Yeah, absolutely. Look at people like Kimberly Guilfoyle. Look at where she is now. We see her on, on Fox News all the time. She's on Bill O'Reilly. She's, you know, at the Fox New Year's uh, celebration. She's all over the place. Now she's got this best-selling book. Why is she here? Is it because God just picked her out of the, the, the population and plopped her in a successful position? No. It was work. And, you know, one thing that I hear all the time Okay, whether it's from people looking to develop a passive income stream or people looking to further a career or somebody looking to build a brick-and-mortar business. Here's the deal. You've got to work for it. It does not happen. The 1% of people in this world who have things fall into their lap, that 1% should be eradicated from your mind because that's not how things work. When you see people on the Internet and they're showing you their net income, for a month based upon their passive income streams. Do you think that that passive income stream was a, a child of laziness or a child of doing nothing? No, it was, it was born from hard work. Now maybe you can sit back and collect on that passive income stream. But where did it come from? It didn't just fall out of the sky into your lap. And the same is true for everything else in your life, relationships. You want a relationship to work? Well, you need to take steps, baby steps, to build that level of trust and confidence with one another. You can't just expect things to happen, and you can't always wait for somebody else. What do you do, for example, if you find the love of your life, and you're slightly different in attitude? Maybe you're a little more positive than your spouse is. Should you change who you are? Should you let that influence you? Should you say, no, I'm not going to take a chance. I'm not going to move forward. You know? No. You have to take care of yourself. And that doesn't mean selfishly. You can build your relationship with somebody else. You know, you're different, but that doesn't mean that you need to change, nor does it mean that you need to rely on everybody else. You know, I tell my kids this all the time. There are two people in this world that love you more than anything, and that's your mother and father and your brothers, who you have, okay? So I guess there's more than two people. But my point is, and what I tell them is this, you cannot sit back and wait for things to happen. You can't just keep hoping that you're going to, you know, win the quote-unquote lottery of life. You have to go out and make it happen. And I'm constantly encouraging them to Find things that interest them, even at their young ages. My oldest is 13. I've got 13, 9, and, and 3. And I, I constantly am saying to the 13-year-old, find what interests you. Find what you want to do and then go build on it. And I'm hoping to inspire my children. Now, people that are looking to be inspired, you don't have to look too far. 
There are so many resources out there that can inspire you, that can light that fire under you to help you move forward. The, the book that, that Kimberly wrote, really, truly, a good book, an inspiring book. doesn't make a difference who you are reading that book. You're going to be inspired. You're going to learn. And you're going to be able to take something away from that book to help you in your life. There are so many self-help books, self-help programs, YouTube videos. They're all out there. All you have to do is search it out. You have to take that first step. And I am a huge believer, and you've heard me talk on this program before, about whether or not having a written business plan is critical. And I've said many times that I am not a big believer in a formalized business plan. In other words, I'm not going to go download software that says to me, what is your main objective, you know, and have that robotic type format that I have to stick to. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe in a plan. As a matter of fact, plans are critical. So you need to know where you're going. You want to drive a bus? Know where your destination is. You want to fly a plane from point A to point B? Know where point B is. Okay? Now, you've got that, that, that you know, plan in place. Now you can go take action. And maybe the action that you take, maybe the first 10 actions that you take are not going to end with the results that you want. But you know what? Each step you take is a success. When you call somebody for a job and they turn you down, you shouldn't look at it. And I know it's really hard. I really do. But you shouldn't look at it as, oh, I suck. What a failure. You should look at it as, all right, I'm pretty proud of myself for, for reaching out and taking that first step. I'm going to find it. I'm going to get it. I'm going to do it. You know, and, and that's something that I think that we can all look to as a, a roadmap for our lives. If you're out there and you're sitting, you know, your way through life, if you're a spectator, if you're a some, you know, that, that just comes home at night and sits and watches TV. And, and look, I'm not knocking it because there are many nights that I come home and I'm tired and maybe I've had a bad day and I just want to, you know, veg out on the couch or something. But you can't have your entire life be that way because if you spend your life waiting for things to happen to you, all that's going to happen to you is stagnation, right? Look at a, look at a pond. A pond with no movement becomes stagnant water. Have you ever, you know, done any yard work? And, and I have, so, you know, I'll, 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 you know, this is a true story. <laughs> and, you know, maybe you have a waste barrel that you were using and you, uh, you know, you let it sit outside and, and water fills up in the barrel and you don't empty the barrel right away. What happens to that water, that, that fresh water, that I say fresh in quotes, but fresh water coming from the sky, it goes into this bucket, and it doesn't move, and you don't empty it. What happens to it? Well, eventually, you start to notice little bugs and little things in the water. Stagnation ultimately leads to death, and, and figurative and literal death. We don't move as people. We don't exercise as people. We slowly start to deteriorate, right? Maybe your muscles get tighter. You can't touch your toes anymore. And where does that go? Where, where are we leading ourselves? So stagnation, in my opinion, is death. 
stagnation in your career. So you know, don't settle. Don't say, this is all I can do. Absolutely not. I happen to be a religious person. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't. I look at it as I've been given by God the ability to think, to take action, to seek out help, and I'm going to go do that. And no matter what your religious beliefs are, wherever you believe you came from, know that you were given, I don't care if you believe you, you are a descendant of an alien race, know that they gave you the ability to think for yourself, to act for yourself, to take control of your life. And I think it's just a matter of motivation. I hope that programs like this one inspire you. Am I a monumental success? No. I am constantly striving to do more, to be more, to be a better father, to be a better husband, to be a better employer, to be a better lawyer, to be a better you know, podcast host or video host, whatever it is that I'm doing. I want to be as good as I can at it. And I, I, I sometimes still fall into that same trap that I'm warning you about where you beat yourself up because you didn't do something. And then when you take charge of it, you feel empowered. You know, a few months ago, I had a client come in, and they were looking at, at, at a financial issue. They were trying to contemplate whether or not they should you know, file bankruptcy. And one of the issues that this person had was a student loan. And the student loan was not dischargeable in, in bankruptcy. And so I looked at what the person was presenting to me, and I suggested to them that, look, I know you are very behind in your student loan. It was somewhere to the tune of almost ten grand, And I said, but, you know, have you spoken to the lender? And they said, no. Oh, I can't do it. I just, I'm so upset. I'm so fearful. I'm so afraid. Uh, I said, well, you know, I bet you that if you spoke to the lender, they would be willing to help you get your payments back on track. Oh, no, no, no. It won't happen. It's $10,000. Nobody will do it. I said, I think they will. And I think that if you can get that under control, then you can get out of your head this idea of bankruptcy because it's not going to help you anyway with the student loan. So they said to me, all right, can you call? And I said, you know, I can call, but I'm not going to call. I want you to call. And I want you to do it. If you want to sit in my office with me and make that call, okay. But I want you to make the call because I want you to understand that you can affect change in your life. So sure enough, this person calls the lender. And they say to him, okay, you're way behind, but you know what? We can help you. We can push some of these payments to the back of your loan. Yeah, you're going to pay a little bit more, but we're going to get you back on track, and you're going to have monthly payments starting from, you know, from right now that you can afford. And after 20 minutes of setting this up, when the guy got off the phone, he was beaming. You would have thought that somebody gave him $25,000. He was so proud of himself for getting on that phone and for affecting change in his own life. That's a positive lesson to learn. Don't be afraid, right? Take the bull by the horns and don't stick your head in the sand. Because sticking the, your head in the sand makes you one thing, an ass, okay? You know, think of the ostrich with his head in the sand and his butt up in the air. That's all you become. 
because you're hurting yourself. You're cheating yourself. And I don't want you to do that. I want you to empower yourself. I want you to realize that there is no such thing as destiny. There is no mystical force that's going to guide you. Fortune cookies are crap. They taste good, but they're crap. These things that we look to, signs and symbols, and I'm not talking about you know, religious signs and symbols, because I do believe that you, know, you do see guidance from you know, whatever your, your religious beliefs are, in, in my opinion. You know, um, I've seen things happen, and, and maybe that's guided me or whatever, but I'm talking about practical guidance on a down-to-earth level. Don't pick up a fortune cookie and say, oh, it says that I'm going to have a string of good luck, so now I'm going to go do something. No. You know what it is? It's an excuse. You're looking to something else to help you, looking at some other direction to affect change in your life. You are deflecting because of fear. So let's spend a minute or two talking quickly about fear. What is it? Fear can be a powerful motivator, or it can be the dagger that goes through the heart of your dreams. You must decide how you want fear to impact your life. I'll tell you this much. I am an overthinker. I am somebody that is a worst-case scenario thinker, especially when maybe I'm not feeling you know, that the, the best in my life. Maybe I'm overtired or I've got a lot of stress. And I let my mind start to play tricks on me. And I think about these worst-case scenarios that get so blown out of proportion and crazy that you, know, you start to become stagnant, so fearful you can't do anything. And when I start to find myself going down that path, I have to actively can take control of myself. And I say, you know what? Stop. Let's analyze this. Let's look at this in a logical way. You know, here's where, you know, you channel Mr. Spock from Star Trek and you put the emotion out of it as much as possible. Sometimes it helps to write things down. What am I afraid of? Why? You know, what are the pros and cons of my fear? Where is the origin of that fear? How can I move past that? Write it down, because sometimes writing it down helps you eliminate the emotion. You're seeing facts, and that's something that lawyers deal with all the time, which is facts. You know why you hire a lawyer to help you in your personal injury case? Not because the lawyer has a ton of experience and you don't, because I truly believe that if you are dedicated enough, maybe you won't get the same result as an experienced seasoned trial attorney, but you can do a decent job on your own behalf representing yourself. But do you know why you don't get that result? Because you have too much emotion wrapped into your case. You need a lawyer who can separate the emotion and focus on the fact because that's what the judge wants to hear. That's why you need a lawyer. Now, when you are trying to take control of your fear, you need to have a part of your brain be that lawyer. Okay, the logical, analytical part of you, not the emotional part of you. Hard, very hard to do, but definitely doable. And it, it starts with getting yourself to a point of, of calm. 
being calm, and then saying to yourself, I don't want to live in fear. I don't want to live with regret. Write down what you're afraid of. And then reason, rationally analyze, why am I afraid of this? What is the worst that can happen? You know, if you are looking for a job and, or a career change and you're afraid, well, all right, let's break that down to facts. What are the facts? The facts are, let's say you want to change jobs. Facts are, I hate my job right now. I hate my career. I hate what I'm doing. Okay, that's a fact. I hate it. Fact is, I'm not making as much money as I need to live. There's a fact. I have no passion for what I'm doing. I can't wait to get home from work every day. Facts. Now you look at what are the facts about moving? Well, I have the educational level that will transfer to another career. I, I can do that. That's a fact. I, what I'm leaving out here is the emotion. Oh, but what if? And what if I fail? And what if? What ifs are not, there's no, no point in a what if. Let's look at the facts. And then you go on to the next fact. Okay, if I go for another job, how is that going to impact me financially? When am I going to find the time to look for that job? What am I going to need? Resume. I'm going to need time to look for the job. I'm going to need time to go on an interview. I'm going to need a new suit. All these things are factual issues. When you have those factual issues down, now you're left with, all right, look, here's what I need to do. Here's why I need to do this. And then you can deal with your irrational mind, your irrational fear, a lot easier. Okay? And listen, I, I speak from experience. This isn't stuff that I'm pulling out of the air. I am, am really the kind of person that, you know, I, I'll get myself worked up. The difference is that as I've grown and as I have developed in, in, in you know, my, my personal life, I've had a, a better ability to grab hold of the irrational fear, to put it away, to deal with the facts, and then to come back to that fear and quash it. And, and to say to myself, that fear is irrational. What if, well, what if anything? What if I walked out you know, of my house and got hit by a bus? What if I walked out of my house and got hit by a deer? I mean, look at all the avenues of irrational behavior and thoughts that we can go on. And only you can control that. Kimberly said this at the top of the show today, that you, she said that she controls her mind. You have to control your mind. There are so many people out there that let their minds go your mind directs your body. You know, there's a, a, um, a very popular power lifter and, and bodybuilder, C.T. Fletcher, one of, um, you know, my favorite characters out there. C.T. Fletcher was a world champion power lifter, uh, ultimately had a heart attack, was told that he'd never lift weights again, and you should see him at his age he is in better shape than a lot of the kids that are in their 20s and 30s. And he is an unbelievable motivational force. And he talks all the time about controlling your mind. He says to his, his, himself and, and to his body, and this is something that you can look him up and follow him and, and see this level of commitment and motivation. He says to his muscles, I command you to grow. And this isn't just a phrase he uses. This guy 
is directing his mind in a positive way. He believes it. And, you know, Kimberly talked about having a mantra, no regret, no regret. That's what she does in her mind to force herself into the right way of thinking. C.T. Fletcher, same thing. I command you to grow. These are inspirational people that we need to be looking at because I don't want you to sit back and regret your life. I don't want you to wake up when you're in your 60s and say, if I'd only done this. Take charge of your life. I want to see everyone out there succeed and follow their dreams. You can do it. Look at all the people out there that didn't have a chance, that have made it, that have become successes. Hard work, dedication, focus, direction. These are the skills you need. Fill yourself with positive influence. Pick up a book like Kimberly's book, Making, you, Making the Case, Being Your Own Best Advocate. Pick up something that's going to direct you the right way. Don't spend your time with distraction. Don't spend your time on, on the Internet wasting it. And that's not to say that it's not okay to decompress every once in a while, play a video game or watch a movie. Totally fine. But don't let that be the focus of your life. You can do what you put your mind to, and I truly believe that. And if you don't know how to do something, seek out the people that do and ask. And don't be afraid. You must take control of your life if you're going to achieve what you want out of it. We only have a short period of time on this earth. And you have to make the most of it. Because the days as you get older go by quicker and quicker. The years seem to fly by. And before you know it, you're going to be looking back at your life and you're going to have regret. And there's nothing more painful than regret. All right, that's going to do it for today. I hope that this was a, um, a powerful and moving episode. I hope that, you know, um, you really got a lot of information from Kimberly. I really, truly appreciate her again for being on the show. Thank you, Kimberly. Um, it was truly amazing to have you talk about your story, your influence, and, and to, to talk to our listeners about how you approach success and how you have become your own best advocate. And uh, the advice that you've given is invaluable. I want to thank you for writing the book, Making the Case, How to Be Your Own Best Advocate. I encourage you out there to pick the book up, surround yourselves with that positivity. Now, um, there's going to be links to the book in the show notes and up on utlradio.com where you can purchase it directly through the site. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to hear what you guys think about this episode, about Kimberly's interview and about the book. So please, you know, reach out and, and engage me on this topic because I want to see if anything that we talked about today has helped you even one iota move forward with your life, taking those baby steps, building on that success ladder one small step at a time. And I want to see how that influences you. So please reach out. Let me know what you think. I really value your feedback. I want to hear from you. And I want to hear what you think of this show 
and, um, and what you need as listeners to help you succeed in life, in business, and in all your endeavors. So that's going to do it for today. Thank you again to Kimberly Gofoil for being on the show and for taking the time to speak with us. And thanks to all of you out there who listen live, who watch live on YouTube as this streams. And uh, for those of you who have subscribed to iTunes and download the podcast on a weekly basis, truly, truly appreciate it. So before I go, just a couple of announcements. Again, I want to thank our sponsor, Paychecks. And if you want to take advantage of that one free month of payroll processing, just go over to utlradio.com, click the link for the payroll uh, free month. That is an exclusive offer to for UTL radio listeners. And I also want to remind you that we're going to be back on Monday with my co-host, Bob Hughes, doing Business and Legal Week in Review. And then back on Tuesday with Legal Q&A, we have a number of guests lined up for next week. And uh, then we are going to be introducing that brand new segment that I was talking about, this brand new show on Wednesdays uh, called On a Different Note, and it's going to be um, a music, business, and law show. And we're going to be featuring one musician or artist or band, and we're going to be talking to them about their experiences both in business and law and music. We're going to be playing some of their songs, and we're really excited. We're already booking guests. So um, I want you to, to stay tuned for that. We're going to start updating the, the uh, website so you can see who's coming on the show and, and you know, kind of get some buzz about it, get excited about this, because everything that we do on UTL Radio, every show that we have has one aim in mind, and it's to educate you and to help you, to help you be better business people, better you know, uh, consumers, better advocates for yourself. It's all aimed at self-improvement, at helping you better yourself. So the Monday show, you know, Business and Legal Week in Review, we talk about some of the things that have happened the prior week, and we explain some of the intricacies about why they've happened or what the law is or how a business could do something differently. On the Business and Legal Q&A segments, we answer your questions, and we try to explain in ways that other people don't how to handle a certain matter or whether or not you have a claim or what you can do in your business to drive success, to build success. And then, you know, we've got this new Wednesday show. Um, we're going to talk about the business, business of music. You know, everybody loves music. I love music. I can't focus. I can't work without some soundtrack in the background. And it depends on my mood. That depends on, on what kind of music I'm listening to that day. So music is so influential. And you're talking about an art and then you tie in the business and, and legal end of it. That's so going to be a very exciting show. And then our Thursday show, Understanding Business, really helps, I think, and, and I've received a ton of positive feedback, and I appreciate those of you who have put that out there. That helps shape our futures. We have guests like Kimberly Guilfoyle on the show who really just help us feel motivated, you know, and get out there and grab it and, and take charge of our lives and you know we have had people on the show like Cord McCoy from the Amazing Race who talked about his story um, you know Matt Roloff and, and and how he has succeeded and we have a lot of people lined up to talk about their successes we're very excited about it we have a brand new interview season coming up and I, I really encourage you to subscribe to the YouTube channel so you're notified of new videos subscribe on iTunes so you get the new podcast Reach out to me 
I want to be as accessible to you, the audience, as possible. You can find links on UTL Radio to Twitter, to Facebook, to Google+. The email address to contact me is there. The phone number is there. Don't be afraid, as we talked about in today's show, to reach out and ask a question. Don't be afraid to go to utlradio.com and click on the Ask Your Question link and record your question. We're going to broadcast it on the air live and answer the question for you. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for all the support that you, my audience, have given to me. Um, and I hope that I can pay that forward to you with the information that we provide. I want to thank you again. I want you to have a wonderful rest of your day today. And I want you to join me next week starting on Monday with Business and Legal Week in Review. And then stick with me throughout the week as we have a number of interesting shows and topics to get through. All right, everybody, have a great weekend. And remember that there's power in understanding the law.